Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Get smarter about things like saving on travel, because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancier dinner, too. Boosting your credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. And saving for an emergency fund, because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, it wasn't a Black Monday of the 1987 variety, but it was one for the record books. The Dow was down just over 1,000 points right out of the open. That was the biggest intraday point drop ever, surpassing the last flash crash. Now, when the market opened down that low, a lot of the bargain hunters came in, day traders looking to make a quick buck. And we did have a rather spectacular rally. I think the Dow Jones almost got into positive territory before surrendering those gains and ending the day down 588 points. Another 3.5% drop. We closed at 15,871, taking out the 16,000 handle just a few days after taking out the 17,000 handle. Remember, the record high is above 18,000. So the Dow dropped 588 points on Monday, following what a 530 point drop on Friday and a 350 point drop. On Thursday, of course, all of this is being blamed by the media on China. Now, the Dow Jones is down about 11 percent year to date. The Chinese market is not even down one percent. It's down about 0.75 percent on the year. In fact, until yesterday, last night's drop of about eight percent, which was a big drop. But until last night's drop, The Shanghai market was still positive on the year. So this is not all about China. Yes, Chinese stocks are falling, but stocks are falling all over the world. They're falling in the emerging markets, they're falling in the developed markets, and they're falling in the United States. They're not falling because of China. China is falling for the same reason all the other markets are falling. It's the Fed. It's the fact that everybody believes that this seven-year party is coming to an end, right? That the Fed, which has been spiking the punch bowl all these years with 0% interest rates, that they are going to take away all that punch or they're going to take away the alcohol. And so now we're getting the hangover. It's just that for so long, everybody thought America was going to be immune Right. That we're going to end this party and or take away the alcohol. And, you know, we were still going to party up in the U.S. like the alcohol was still there. Well, as we got closer to September, right, the date that the Fed was supposed to raise, you know, we got to the point where like 95 percent of the economists were saying the Fed was going to have liftoff in September and the market finally broke. Remember, we had, I think, seven of eight days down in a row before China even did that small devaluation. So we were already going down as that day of reckoning was approaching. Now, remember, 
I've been saying all along that the Fed was bluffing. It was a game of chicken and that the Fed isn't going to raise rates. Now, finally, today, Barclays, which had been in the camp that the Fed was going to move in September, right? They weren't even saying December. They were telling their clients that the Fed was going to hike in September. They came out today and said, nope, they're not going to move until March, March of 2016, right? So they've just started to dial this back. And remember, I said on my last podcast, when the year began, the camps were those that thought March and those that thought June. Now we're talking about March of 2016, not March of 2015. And of course, I don't think the Fed's going to hike in March of next year. I don't think there's a chance of that. I think they're more likely to launch QE4 by, before then. It's an election year. They're going to be pulling out all the stops to try to artificially stimulate the markets and the economy. But again, everybody wants to blame this on China as if there's no domestic problems to worry about when China should be blaming it on us. Everybody should be blaming it on us. We're the ones that got the world hooked on 0% interest rates for so long. But the fantasy was that we can raise interest rates and it wouldn't affect the U.S. market. See, other countries realized the impact it was going to have there. The impact is actually going to be greater here. The country that's going to suffer the most from the end of 0% interest rates is America. It's just that we haven't figured it out yet. So we're just starting to come to terms with it. Nobody really wants to admit it. In fact, we still haven't come to terms in that we're still denying reality. But the stock market is falling fast, and it's going to have an impact on the real economy, which was already deteriorating. The Fed did not want to admit how weak the economy was, but it was weak, and it's getting weaker. And in fact, what just happened in the stock market is going to negatively impact the economy even more. It's like the economy was teetering on the brink of recession, and what's happening in the market is going to tip it over. And yes, just because we had a big rally off the lows doesn't mean this correction is over with. In fact, it will probably turn into a full-fledged bear market unless we get some concrete uh, moves by the Fed, some actual statements that they're not going to move, not just banks like Barclays pushing out the date that they think the Fed's going to move. We need some official confirmation. Maybe we'll get something later this week in Jackson Hole. You know, I'm going to be a Jackson Hole uh, later this week as well as an at an anti-Fed conference. We got about 200 people attending there. We also have some reporters. So we'll see if something happens at the official event. I mean, we know what's going to happen at the unofficial event where I'm speaking. But here's an example of how ridiculous this blame China is. So I was watching on Fox News and they had Maria Bartiromo, who used to be over at CNBC. Remember her? She is the, the, the original money honey. Well, uh, Fox got her away from CNBC. And I was watching her over the weekend. And she was the expert that they brought on uh, to talk about the, the market decline and, you know, what it means. And, of course, she was talking about China and the China currency devaluation and how the devaluation of the Chinese yuan was going to impact the U.S. economy. And I'm not making this up. This is what she said. She said that by devaluing their currency, China was going to make Chinese-made products more competitive 
relative to U.S. products. So that when an American consumer went to the store and they had to choose between buying the Chinese-made product or the American-made product, that now they were going to more likely choose the China product because the China product is going to be cheaper because of this devaluation. Now, I mean, this is what she actually said. I mean, how much do they pay the money, honey, for this kind of wisdom? I mean, is she clueless? Well, I mean, yes, she is clueless. What American-made products? When Americans go to the store, they don't choose between Chinese-made products and American-made products. When you go to Walmart, there's not an aisle for the Made in America section. I mean, there's nothing there that's made in America. In fact, if you're choosing, it's you're choosing between Chinese-made products and the products made in Korea. You know, there's no American products there. That's that's not what's going to happen. But she's trying to grasp for straws. She's trying to explain why the devaluation of the yuan is bad for the U.S. It's not. It actually helps. It just means that any Chinese-made products are going to be less expensive. Those are the products Americans are buying anyway. They're not buying the American products. We're not making the products. So it is a positive for America if we can buy Chinese stuff for less money because we're already buying it anyway. So if we can save a few bucks because the yuan went down, that means we have more money left over for something else. There is nothing bad for the U.S. economy about buying Chinese stuff cheaper. In fact, you know, it's a lifeline. It's gonna, But the, the problem is eventually Chinese stuff is going to get real expensive when the yuan goes up. That's the real problem for the U.S. economy. Not the fact that it went down, but that it's going to go way up. But Maria Bartiroma doesn't understand anything. All she's trying to do is come up with some rationale for why the China's, China's market is hurting ours and while the Chinese why the Chinese devaluation is going to hurt the US economy but none of it even makes sense she's trying to just fit the narrative because that's what makes everybody comfortable right that's why you're not seeing me on CNBC I'm going to be on Futures Now tomorrow but that's their show on the internet and that CNN did call me to come on earlier today and then they canceled me they had i was going to come on and talk about the markets then they call back and they canceled which happens a lot you know somebody books me and then somebody higher up sees that i'm going to be on the show and then they cancel me because they have an idea of what i'm going to say and it doesn't necessarily jive with their editorial policy of how they want this event being reported right they don't want americans being scared now again you know i'm not talking about armageddon for the markets i'm talking about the fed saving the day I don't think we're going to go back down to the lows of 2009. I mean, we would if the Fed actually raised interest rates. I don't think they're going to do that. Not only do I think they're not going to raise rates, I think they're going to do QE4. So I don't think this market is going to crash, but I do think it's going to go down until the Fed cries uncle and they're going to save the market. But of course, they're not going to save the economy. Quantitative easing hurts the economy, right? They don't want to admit that, but it does prop up the stock market. It does prop up the real estate market. It does prop up the government. So it makes it look like things are getting better, you know, superficially, while beneath the surface, they're actually getting worse, right? Because the Federal Reserve didn't solve our problems. They interrupted the 2008 financial crisis with QE and 0% interest rates. That crisis was the solving of the problems, right? We had to work out all the debt. We had to restructure the economy based on all the malinvestments that were made thanks to the Fed. But instead of doing that, we kicked the can down the road 
and we finally caught up to that can. That's where we are right now, and the problems are much worse. So we are resuming the financial crisis that the Federal Reserve interrupted, and we're doing it in a deeper hole because we've spent the last seven years digging. Instead of getting out of it, we've dug it deeper thanks to the Fed, but they're never going to admit that. In fact, all of the people that were saying, oh, you know, the Fed waited too long. They should have raised rates a couple of years ago, and now it's too late. They can't do it. Had they raised rates a couple of years ago, we would have been in this predicament sooner. The only reason the markets continue to go up was because the Fed didn't raise rates two years ago. The party didn't end because they didn't take away the punch bowl. Now they're talking about taking it away. That's why the party is ending. There was never a point that the Fed could raise interest rates. They didn't miss their opportunity. The opportunity never existed. The opportunity was not cutting them in the first place. What they should have done is allowed the markets to solve the problems they caused, the problems that led to the 2008 financial crisis. But they didn't do that. And so here we are. And everybody just thought, other than me, well, the Fed could just raise interest rates and no problem. Of course it would be a problem because we have more debt than ever before. So when you raise interest rates, you expose the problems. And since the problems are so much bigger, it's a much smaller rate of increase in interest rates is all it takes to expose those problems. Now, I've also been talking about the developments in the foreign exchange markets, right? Everybody is talking about the strong dollar and the dollar has been strong. That's been part of the problem. It's only been strong because people have expected rate hikes. And so that's weakened currencies, that's weakened commodities. It's put a lot of pressure on emerging markets and commodity producers because they're preparing for monetary tightening that isn't, in fact, going to take place. Everybody just thinks it's going to happen. And so they're reacting to what they believe is going to happen because they think the Fed could raise interest rates without damaging the U.S. economy, which, of course, is impossible. Well, they pricked the bubble. But look at what's happened today with the dollar versus the major currencies. We had at one point a 4% intraday drop against the Japanese yen. I mean, the dollar still closed down. I mean, maybe it was about 2% or something against the yen, but crushed intraday. Look at the euro. The euro got as high as 117 this morning. 117. The dollar index at one point was down, I think, at 92 60, 92, 80. We were at 98 last week. We closed below 93.50, which was a key support. And the euro ended up settling about 116. But the dollar is breaking down. It was very weak against the Swiss franc. It fell against the pound sterling. It fell against the Swedish krona. The only currencies that it rose against were any currencies that were linked to commodities, like the Aussie dollar, the Canadian dollar, and the emerging market currencies. But look, this is probably the dollar's last uh, stand. You know, it can't beat up the big boys anymore, so it's beating up uh, the smaller fries. But the momentum in the dollar is turning. I think this turn in the dollar index is significant. People just haven't figured it out yet. Same thing as gold. Although gold wasn't up today. Gold was down about five or six bucks. Remember, it was up 80 bucks the last uh, two weeks. So it took a little bit of a breather today. But I still expect gold prices to continue to march higher, especially as more people come to the conclusion that the Fed isn't going to move at all this year. And then they push back their rate hikes to 2016. And then they realize that they're not going to get them in 2016. Then they're going to start talking about 2017. Although gold stocks got crushed today. Crushed. They were down about 8%. This is probably the biggest drop I've seen in gold stocks of the entire 
bear market of gold stocks, although maybe there's been some days that were worse than this, even though the price of gold, again, was barely down. But of course, gold stocks had some pretty good gains in the prior couple of weeks. And so I think people came in and sold because the uh, psychology of the market is still quite negative, right? Even though we've had this big rally in the price of gold, everybody on Wall Street just expects the price to continue to fall because they're still wedded to the same deflationary psychology, uh, bad for commodities, bad for gold, bad for gold stocks. What they don't understand, they haven't come to terms with the fact yet that this is all going to do an about face when the Federal Reserve reverses course. Because they were only talking tough on raising rates as long as the rhetoric didn't come back to bite them uh, in the form of a falling stock market or a weakening economy. But they maintained that posture too long. The Federal Reserve missed the opportunity months ago in response to overwhelmingly weak economic data. The Federal Reserve should have conceded that the data that they were depending on had weakened and therefore they were not going to be moving on interest rates as soon as they thought. Had the Fed admitted that, then they would have avoided a lot of this carnage. We wouldn't have had the big sell-off in commodities. We wouldn't have had uh, the big rise in the dollar. Now, are they just incompetent at being incompetent? Or maybe, maybe this was their plan. Maybe they knew, hey, if we just bluff this thing long enough, then eventually the markets will implode, commodities will collapse, and now we'll use that as an excuse not to uh, raise rates. Instead of blaming it on the weakening U.S. economy, we can wait until the absolute end when everything is falling apart. And then we can say, well, it's because of global weakness. It's because of we're worried about not having enough inflation with this collapse in commodity prices, collapse in oil prices. They can blame it on. We don't want to destabilize the global economy. Maybe they thought if they just maintain this pretense long enough that they would create the condition that they needed as an excuse not to move interest rates, even though they never planned on moving it up in the first place. Now, I don't know, maybe I'm giving the Fed too much credit. Maybe the fact that they're just incompetent at being incompetent is more likely uh, the explanation. Maybe these idiots actually thought that if they just kept talking about how great the U.S. economy was, that it would improve, right? That they could just talk it up. Maybe they didn't realize that they were playing with fire and they just got burnt. And the question is, when are they going to come clean and come up with some kind of plausible excuse to save face when they don't raise interest rate. Well, we're going to be monitoring the situation pretty closely. Tomorrow, Tuesday, you know, they call Tuesday turnaround Tuesday, reversal Tuesday. So I wouldn't be surprised after three big down days to see some type of upward move. Although sometimes the way reversal Tuesdays work is you get a big gap up and that's your move up and then it sells off. Or maybe we'll, we'll gap down big again like we did today, retest those lows and then get a more meaningful rally on reversal Tuesday, especially if we get something from the Fed, right? If someone from the Fed comes out and acknowledges the obvious, right? Somebody says, hey, the emperor has no clothes. And now everybody who's been staring at the naked emperor can now admit that he's naked because someone from the Fed said so, right? Because for some reason, everybody pays attention to what the Fed says and they wait for the Fed uh, to confirm everything, even something that should be as obvious 
as this thing, that the Fed isn't going to raise interest rates in September. Maybe just hearing it from the Fed officially is what will be needed. But the real turnaround won't be just in the U.S. stock market. It'll be in the currency markets. It'll be in the commodity currencies, the emerging market currencies. It'll be in commodities themselves. That's what's really going to get saved. That's where the real turnaround is going to come. I don't think that not raising rates is going to be enough to stop the U.S. correction from turning into a bear market. It may extend the time period, right? It may cause a rally, but I think there's been enough technical damage done to the U.S. market that the rallies will be sold. And I think we're going to continue to trend down. The only thing that will break the downtrend is going to be a QE4 program. Right. Similar to what they did with QE3 and QE2, only every time they do quantitative easing, they got to do it bigger. Just like any drug habit, you know, you build up the tolerance and every time you do more drugs, you, you, you need a bigger dose to get high. So we're going to need a much bigger boat when it comes to QE. We're going to need a program that's much bigger than QE3. I think it'll be bigger than QE3, 2, and 1 combined. And that will finally stop the U.S. stock market from falling. But it will send the dollar plunging, which means the real value of U.S. stocks priced in gold will collapse. And that's really going to breathe life into the international markets and the emerging markets. They've been sending money to the U.S., seeking out a safe haven. They're going to realize that there's no safety in that haven, that they've been going the wrong way, that we're not going to raise rates, that we have to keep interest rates at zero indefinitely, that QE isn't over. We're just warming up. It's never-ending programs. Like I said from the beginning, we'd have more QEs than Rocky movies. And of course, those movies movies got progressively worse as they kept coming out with sequels. So the sequel, QE4, is going to do more damage to the underlying economy and more reasons for people to get out of Dodge. And so money's going to flee the U.S. It's going to go back to these emerging markets, back to commodities. And now that the Chinese are going to allow their currency to rise, it's not going to be another currency war, not going to be currency World War II like we had last time when the Fed announced QE2 and the dollar started to tank and everybody tried to keep their currency weak against the yuan, once the yuan starts to rise and the pressure is off, the dollar is going to really sink. And that is the coming crisis. Because the Federal Reserve is so worried about now not allowing another financial crisis, they are going to steer us into a much worse currency crisis, a U.S. dollar crisis. And ironically, right, everybody right now is worried about, oh, the strong dollar, when they should be worried about the weak dollar. They just haven't figured out how weak it's going to get. Attention listeners, I have an urgent message for you. We're in the middle of a war. The global conflict is destroying the lives of millions without a single bomb being dropped. It's called the International Currency War, and your bank account has been drafted to fight. The victims in this conflict are our currencies, the dollar, the euro, the yen, the pound. They're all heading to zero as irresponsible central banks compete to see who can print the most the fastest. But there's one form of money politicians and central banks can't destroy, gold. Today, it's more important than ever to understand the value of gold in your portfolio and to keep a close eye on major market developments. Subscribe to my monthly video cast and you'll be the first to hear my latest analysis on gold investing and the currency wars. Visit goldvideocast.com right now to subscribe for free. I call the dot-com bust, then the housing bust, and I advise clients to diversify into foreign equities and hard assets while the rest of Wall Street laughed at me. 
Now I want to keep you up to date on the next crisis that is brewing. My gold videocast also includes personal interviews I've conducted with other contrarian investors like Jim Rickards and Axel Merck. Gold has gone up 256% since 2003, but it has a lot further to go. Don't miss the rally. You can prosper during this time of currency wars, but only if you stay educated. Get a free subscription to my gold videocast at goldvideocast.com.